Hi everyone, the Complex PTSD Guy here. Today's topic is shame and are past actions haunting you? I was reminded of how one little thing can haunt a person during a recent chat that I was involved with this week. I'll begin by saying that I'm not a doctor or counselor, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD and I'm choosing to share my own experiences. So each week I go to an online alcoholism support group called Talk Sober. It's on YouTube. I think they're great to be involved with, particularly because of the chat session that occurs. There are usually 12 to 20 people in this chat, and it's very liberating and helpful, to say the least. They meet on Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central Time on YouTube. During our recent chat last week on Thursday, one of the people in the chat group said that he was actually drinking during the chat. So he was in the chat and he was drunk and he said he can't stop drinking. Then he started rambling and rambling and cursing and he wasn't making any sense. I assumed he might have been in a blackout mode. It's times like that where people tend to wake up the next day and think, oh my gosh, what did I say in the group yesterday? Or I can never go back to the group, how embarrassing. Or what did I just text this person or email this person? It leads to a major sense of shame for a lot of people. I have to say, the guy in the chat saying this, it was no big deal to me at the time. I just thought, well, he's drunk and that's what happens. We're in an alcohol group here. But it stood out to me when the guy was rambling. It made me want to do this topic today for this podcast. Because I know I've been there a million times, and for me, I beat myself up a lot. That is probably my worst quality, is that I'm really, really hard on myself. And so maybe I was just reflecting and assuming this guy might be having a lot of shame just from a few little words in an online chat, you know. I know that feeling of shame that maybe he's still feeling right now. I hope he's not sitting in shame right now, because doing that only leads to giving up and wanting to just drink more and isolate. But the positive point here is that there is an upside to shame. There is an upside to embarrassment, and there's an upside to guilt and feeling like you want to give up. There's an old saying, the more guilt you have built up, you will eventually realize the greater level of grace you will later experience. Sometimes giving up takes you down a new road. Sometimes you learn who your real friends are in times where you are at your lowest. You might learn that others have been in the situations just like yours and you don't have to feel shameful about it. It's just a life experience. If you had no shame, that might be the real issue. If you felt no guilt, that might be the real problem. Just let the feeling go. Think of the things you're proud of. Maybe it's your degree. Maybe it's your ability to use your degree in new meaningful ways. Maybe you are a nurse who is burned out at work. Maybe you can find a new way to help people without being in the hospital setting that you're currently in. I'll use myself as an example. Lately, I have been really frustrated with one of my jobs. It's my history job. Sometimes in this field, things can be very political. People get jobs based on their political party, particularly if it's a state muse- like a state museum or something connected to a presidential museum. Those jobs are definitely related to politics, and that frankly disgusts me. 
and people are all consumed with who has the bigger degree. For me, it's not about what degree you have, it's what you accomplish with what you already have. I am not an institutional academia type of person, and I don't want to be. I am a local historian, and I am proud of it. I would much rather volunteer my time in a place that is undervalued than know the exact type of shoe Abraham Lincoln used to wear. When you study the unknown, you discover real history. You discover the why of what created history rather than what we currently know as the result of the why. To say the least, I have been procrastinating at my history job because I have lost some respect and I lost my passion for my current position. Out of depression, I've been drinking more and this only leads to shame and acting out. I only hurt myself when I do this and it is a form of self-sabotage. I recently cut my hours at my massage job too. I'm a little worn out physically from that particular job. I was offered a different job at a local visitors bureau. I really enjoy tourism and have worked at local history sites, so I feel like this would be a great fit. I actually have an interview there tomorrow, but I basically already have the job since it was offered to me. I'm only going to add on about 10 hours of work, which is what I recently cut from my massage job, so I'm basically replacing one for the other. Sometimes when one job feels like it is time to be put to rest, a new field opens. Shame is a form of suffering. And there is a really good book that puts some of this into perspective. The book is called The Geography of Genius. The author's name is Eric Weiner. There is one great passage that I love reading from this book. It reminds me I, sh I shouldn't feel bad about my shame. I shouldn't feel bad about my humiliation. I shouldn't feel bad about being in the mental hospital a couple of times. I should just learn from it, be thankful for it, say this is me, and do something creative with it. So this passage from the book relates to suffering and how it is important to acknowledge grief and use it in creative ways. I felt a bond to it immediately because as I've talked about in the past, I have suffered with extreme and very frequent suicidal ideation since I was a teenager. I'm almost 40 and I still have these ideations. I had them quite a bit this past week. I have to constantly talk myself out of this mind space of wanting to harm myself. I use my depression and suffering as ways to inspire my poetry, and I also put all of this into my play that I wrote about, that I wrote and I've talked about in the past. The play was basically my life story. I'm going to read the, pa the passage here that relates to suffering and how there is a saving grace connected to suffering and how you can use your suffering to your own benefit. So the author talks about how people who have been, who have lost a parent in a young age, a lot of them grow up to become people that we consider to be geniuses. I never lost a parent growing up, but I have something in common with some of these people. I'm not saying I'm a genius, by the way. So they said 35%, um, a lot of people who are considered geniuses lost a parent. 35% of them lost a parent by the age of 15, and nearly half, 45% by age 20, lost one of their parents. The list of these people include Dante, Bach, Darwin, Michelangelo, Dostoevsky, Mark Twain, and Virginia Woolf. 
These geniuses possess not only an ability to rebound from suffering, but to transform that suffering into productive and creative outlets. Winston Churchill, who also lost his father when he was a young man, said, Solitary trees, if they grow at all, grow strong. A boy deprived of a father's care often develops if he escapes the perils of youth. You could say delinquency. An independence and vigor of thought which may restore in afterlife the heavy loss of early days. And then he goes on to say, and this is how I relate, that's a big if though. Psychologist Robert Sternberg reviewed the data and concludes, the only other groups that suffered approximately the same proportion of childhood trauma caused by a loss of a parent were delinquents and suicidal depressives, and Q term there, childhood trauma, and if you have complex PTSD, you probably experience childhood trauma, so we're all in this group here together. The question is why some people who lose a parent go on to become geniuses, while others become delinquents or suicides. And I can say that whole delinquent thing, the more I drink and the more people like us get into drugs or alcohol, that's a slippery slope into delinquency that you do not want to take that avenue. Perhaps I think dog earring thucydides and reaching for a glass of ouzo, what marks the genus is not that they suffered, but how they suffered. They suffered legitimately and authentically. They knew that, as John Adams said 2,000 years later, genius is sorrow's child. So, you see, suffering can lead to some good things. It may sound strange, but if you use your suffering to get out of suffering and find ways of coping and sharing that resilience with others, that's the saving grace to suicidal depression, you know, severe depression, to ideations of self-harm, going through childhood trauma. It's all connected. But basically, there's a saving grace. That is most of what I wanted to share for today. Um, So if you're feeling shame, and you're just sitting and thinking that there's no hope for tomorrow, there is. There's people out there who understand you can make it better. You know, if you're not happy with where you are in life, do something that you can use your degree or use whatever field you're in. Move it into something that involves passion. For me, I think that I might get more involved with um, genealogy related to cemeteries in some way, shape, or form. Maybe working at a genealogical center just a local historic site, maybe that's undervalued. There's a local site in a town nearby. It's called a, it's a prairie, and it's all native plants. I thought about being a tour guide there, um, but I'll eventually find something. For now, this visitor's bureau is, I think, going to be a great fit for me. Um, so that is, this is the, P- the Complex PTSD guy signing off. Thank you.